How many know you got a destiny? There's a reason God puts you here on this planet, and it's not to be average. May I just announce to you today that God did not create any average people. God did not create any middle class people, much less anything lower than that. You're all upper class. Say, no, pastor, you don't know me. No, it's not you. I know whose you are. You're the same as me. You're the child of the most high God. You're the child, the son, the daughter of a king, the king of the universe. But he didn't have any average kids, sorry. So if you're living an average, mediocre, mundane, mealy-mouthed life, you're not walking in your destiny. And that's what we came here to talk about today, is to help you discover the dream, the destiny that God has planted on the inside of you. Last week, we started this series. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go back to our archive and watch this, the foundational message where we set up this series. I don't have time to go over all that again, but it's on our YouTube channel or our website. And if you go to our YouTube channel, be sure and like and subscribe. I'm, I just say that because that's what everybody on YouTube says. So, But anyway, go back and watch it on YouTube or on our website on the archive. It'll be a great blessing to you. The title of the message last week was, Do You, Boo? So you got to do you. If you don't know who you is, you can't do you, right? I mean, how many know it's important to know God? That's probably the most important relationship. But how many know it's also important to know yourself? That's probably second to knowing God. And so we talked about that last week. And we're going to kind of recover some of those tracks, but we're going to also go add, add to what we're building on. So today, the title of the message is Graces and places. There's a grace for you in the place that's for you. And if the grace, if you can't find the grace, it must mean you're not in the place. Or if you're in a place and there's no grace, you might not be in the right place. But there is a grace for you, and there is a place for you. In fact, the giftings and the desires that you have in your heart are linked to your destiny. We don't have time to really go over this, but just jot this down to look at it later. Psalm 34 says that God will give you the desires of your heart. Your desires are a clue to that destiny that God has for you. You might be thinking, well, all right, Pastor, if you keep talking about destiny, I'm not really sure what you mean. Let me just differentiate between your fate and your destiny. Fate is what happens when you just let life happen. Your destiny is what happens when you discern the will of God for your life and you take steps of faith in that direction. So fate is when you let life happen. Destiny is when you make life happen. But not just any life. It's the life that God has called you to, created you for. And I know I might not know all the details of that for you, but I do know this. It's an abundant life. All right, so some graces you were born with some graces you're born again with. So when, when you were born, there was stuff in you that God preordained for you to have. But when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, how about you get some more stuff? Stuff, that's the theological word for uh, gifts and talents and things of that nature. The, the, the Greek word is charisma, where we get the word charismatic. But it, but it means divine enablements. There are things that you are divinely empowered to do. You just think it's easy. That's because you have a grace that some of us don't have. Furthermore, 
And that's what grace is. It is a divine enabling. It's where God supernaturally gives you the ability to do some things. You think it's easy. You think everybody can do it, but we can't. It's a grace that you have that I don't have. When I was in the fourth grade, I discovered I had a grace. Uh, I thought I was just a little shy kid that was trying to, you know, make good grades. And then Mrs. Bishop implemented show and tell. And every Monday, every student got five minutes to tell about their weekend. Well, man, I came alive. I like being in front of a crowd. And I got so good at it that all the other students, or most of the other students, were like, Mrs. Bishop, can I give Kevin my five minutes? And so before it was over with, I had a half-hour section every Monday morning in my fourth-grade class. I was, it, was, it was my highlight of my week, man. It was awesome. Mrs. Bishop, she didn't know it, but she was prophetic, and she started calling me preacher boy. And I wasn't preaching a sermon. I was just telling stories and being funny and, you know, that sort of thing. Well, that was a grace it was a clue to something that I was called to do. Well, there's clues in your life as well. The Lord directs your path. So your location and your associations, your locations and associations help you identify and develop the graces and gifts that are in and on your life. How many know there's the right crowd and the wrong crowd? There's the right people and the wrong people. When God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. When the devil wants to attack you, he puts a person in your life. Your job is to discern the difference. Now, you know, you've heard of Fifty Shades of Grey. We had a sermon we preached a few couple years ago called Fifty Shades of They. You got to connect to the right they. So there's the right they and the wrong they. Okay? And so I want to encourage, that's why we say get in a small group. Because everybody in your small group, they're not perfect, but at least they're heading in the right direction or trying to, right? Like you are. So there, your, your chances of connecting to the right people go up exponentially when you get out of the nightclubs and into the light club. So just by being at church today, by getting in a small group, you have improved your odds tremendously of discovering and fulfilling your destiny. Don't tell me it doesn't matter who you hang out with. It matters. It matters a lot because there are graces and places. Acts 17 says this, and then we'll get into our main points today. It says, God has predetermined the boundaries of where we should live. So that you, did you know that you were born in the right place at the right time? You're born in the right place and at the right time. Ah, I should have been born in California. No, you are in L.A., so it's... If you know, you know. But so you're in the right place, and you're here at the right time. Now, let's get into it. I got three points today. I might have a poem. We'll see. You never know. Here's point number one. The grass is greener where you water it. And the reason I say that, not to be confused with the grass is greener over by the septic tank. That's a totally different reason. <clears throat> But the reason I bring that up is because many times I think we fall prey to this thought. And the thought is, is that my life would be better if I was somebody else. But you are the best you that there will ever be. And so stop trying to be somebody else. Don't be a cheap copy when you can be an original. God needed something done in the earth, and that's why he created you. Say, oh, no, I was a mistake. 
No, you might have been a surprise, but you were not a mistake. God knew you were coming, and he has a plan that he needs accomplished, and the only way it can be done is if you discover and fulfill your divine destiny. So I've messed up, Pastor Kevin. All right, well, join the human race. There are no perfect people allowed. All of us have messed up. That's probably why we're here today, but I want you to know it ain't too late. I know that's not good English, but it's good theology. It ain't too late. God's got a plan for you, and I don't, aren't you glad God doesn't consult your past to determine your future? Anybody else thankful for that? So, don't know what happened in your past? If you need healing for, for that, we have freedom groups for that. Meets here every Wednesday night. You can come and get freedom from your past so that you can embrace the future that God has for you. Okay? So, here's what we call when we start thinking or wishing we were somebody else, and preachers are guilty of this just as much as anybody else, it's called the sin of comparison. The sin of comparison. I mentioned it last week. If I get to looking at all the great preachers in the world, I start thinking I'm unnecessary. You know, you got, you got, you got Joel Osteen. I like to start with something funny. And then you, you, got, you got Jesse, Brother Jesse the Planets. I mean, you can turn the volume off and he's funny, you know. He's, he's coming to our church in May, so don't, don't miss that. And then you got T.D. Jakes, my God, get ready to touch three people and say, I mean, if I start look, looking at all the great preachers in the world, I think, well, what am I doing? I, I'm unnecessary, but, but I'm not. I got an assignment. They have assignments. You have an assignment. So don't commit the sin of comparison because there, there's nobody like you. You are one of a kind. How many of you are sitting next to somebody? There ain't nobody like them. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so... Paul said this, the Apostle Paul, he said, I magnify my office. In other words, it's okay to make a big deal out of the anointing that God has placed on your life. The Bible says not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to, but it does not say you shouldn't think highly of yourself. Just not more highly than you ought to. Well, how do you know the line? When you start thinking you're better than somebody else, well, that's more highly than you ought to. We're not better than each other. We're just different because there's nobody like you. That doesn't make you better. It just makes you different. So we all have our own uniqueness. And and, and again, uh, you should rejoice in that. I like to say this a lot. I rejoice in God's choice. He made me the way I am, called me to do what I do. And you need to rejoice in your journey. In between services, a brother called me. He says, hey, man, uh, I did the 21 days of prayer and fasting, you know, when we did that back in January. I'm like, oh, that's great. He goes, man, it was tough. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? He goes, well, the reverse happened. He goes, I lost my job. I was fighting with my kids. Like, everything unraveled. I was like, what in the world? And I saw, I just kept praying. I said, God, I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm seeking you. And he said, the Lord spoke to him and said, don't miss your exit. You ever been on the interstate and you missed your exit? Oh, man, now you got to go. He said, the Lord said, don't miss your exit. And he's like, exit? I can't exit my job. I got fired. I can't, you know, what are you talking about? Well, he he put in 70 applications and then only got two calls back. And one of them called him and said, I can't pay you what what you're worth or what you need. And uh, so you might want to look for, you know, something else. But, you know, if you need something, if you're desperate, come work for us. Well, the the only other person that called him back, they said, you're exactly what we need. They offered him double what he was making in his previous job and moved him. They're moving him up to Birmingham. He's got his dream job. And he's like, God just said, hey, sometimes, how many of you got to let go of some things so you can grab on to some other things? 
sometimes you got to, how do I say it? Um, it'll come to me. Hold on, hold on. Just, just talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. Um, oh, here it is. Sometimes you got to give up to go up, right? So in the beginning of the year, we did a series called Altars. You know, build an altar, worship God, make that a part of your regular life. But how many know when you worship God in an altar, the first time worship was mentioned in the Bible, it wasn't a beautiful song. You know, it wasn't a way maker, promise keeper. It wasn't any of that. It was, it was a knife and something died. That was the first time worship was mentioned, something died. So how many know when we really worship God, sometimes you got to kill some stuff in your life so the right stuff can live? you got to give up to go up. And, and I want you to know today that as you begin to take steps towards your divine destiny, there might be some things, some people, some habits, some jobs, some relationships that you leave behind so that you can move forward to the destiny that God has for you. And it, will it be worth it? Oh, man. I'm telling you, that's where the good stuff is. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it is worth it. So get your knife out, metaphorically speaking, and just say, Lord, what do you need me to kill? Because the grass is only greener where you water it. So let me, let me just clarify something real quick, and then we'll move on. You, you, you have heard people say, you can do anything, and you can. You can do anything, but you cannot do everything. So I want you to find the gifts and talents that God put in you. Everybody, I'm going to lead you in a confession. Everybody say this with me. Say, there's a place where I fit. All right? I got more confession for you. Hold on. All right. Say, there's a job I excel at. There are skills I was born with. God gave me strengths, and I rejoice in his choice. There's a purpose I'm meant for. He made me uniquely me. Amen. So, so I, want you to say, I want to say all that to say, stop second-guessing guess, second God. He made you for a reason and a purpose, because if you keep second-guessing God, then you're going to write a book, and the title of it's going to be, How to Be Miserable and Miss God. You don't want to write that book, all right? All right, so let me keep going here. God has not made his plan for your life difficult to find. That's really good news. We're going to read a verse. We're going to read several verses today. The first one's in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. God has not made his plan for your life difficult to discover. He wants you to know what it is. All right, let's read that verse. Jeremiah 29, we're going to start in verse 11. And it's this. I know that this is God talking. He says, I know the thoughts I think about you. So God's thinking about you. That's just comforting to me. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Aren't you glad God's listening to you? It says, and then you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. None of this half-hearted stuff, all your heart. You're going to find. You're going to discover. And, and there's no pressure. You just find God's will for your life, and you take steps of faith in that direction. So you're, you're not going to have anything or much of anything in your life that you didn't believe for. Say, so, well, how do I believe or use my faith? I'm going to simplify it. We're going to teach a series on faith later in the year, but let me give you the quick simplified version. You just say, because remember, he says, I'm thinking about you. You're going to pray, and I'm going to answer you because I'm listening to you. You're going to say something like this. Hey, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then you're going to stop, and you're going to listen 
to discern his voice, and then whatever he says, you're going to do it. So, well, that's the problem, Pastor Kevin. I don't know how to hear God's voice. First of all, if you're a Christ follower, you do know how to hear his voice because he said in John 10, my sheep know my voice. You're his sheep, so you do know his voice. But the number one way that God speaks to his people is through the owner's manual. So that's why I'm, you hear your pastor say all the time, read your Bible, read your Bible. And by the way, you don't read your Bible, your Bible reads you. <laughs> so when you read it, it reads you, and something's going to jump off the page, and you're going to be, oh, wow, that's exactly what I needed. So that's the number one way God's going to speak to you is through his written word. He wrote you a love letter. He gave you the owner's manual, so read it. The second way is through the still, small voice. We call it the inner witness or the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter, um, John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, I'm going to give you another comforter like me, a guide who's going to lead you and guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Now, how many think that's an advantage, right? So he will lead and guide you, but you have to, by the spirit he's placed inside you. You just have to sometimes get quiet, turn your phone off and get quiet and li- turn Netflix off. Get quiet and listen, listen. That's why when we come to church and we, we worship, that's a lot of times people go, wow, I heard from God. Why? Because you weren't distracted by other stuff. So the word of God, the still small voice, and then I'll just throw this one out there through your pastor. Thank you for that one amen on the second row. I was hoping for more, but it's too late now. It's too late now. It'd be awkward if you say amen now. No, but seriously, I am a teacher, but I'm not the teacher. So while I'm teaching, hopefully under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the anointing, while I'm teaching, the teacher, the Holy Spirit, he might talk, start talking to you about something else that I, that's not even in my notes. You might go on a little side journey for a couple minutes and take some, write some things down and come back and go, oh, wow, that just changed my life. And it wasn't something I said. It was something that he said, the teacher said. So, uh, and by the way, I'm preaching a series called Discover Your Destiny. I think God's trying to tell you something. Right? Do you need a sign? There it is. There's your sign. All right. So take a step of faith. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. We want to be a New Testament church, right? Let's see what they did in the New Testament. And as you're turning to Acts 13, the setting of this story is it was a small group. So get in a small group. That's where God moves in small groups. It says in chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Now in the church, where was it? In the church. In the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. So these people had discovered their gifting. Some were teachers, some were prophets. Barnabas, his nickname was Son of Encouragement. You ever been called Son of a something? Son of Encouragement. Simeon, who was called Niger. Now, that in the Greek means Blackie. That was his nickname. He was from Africa. It goes on to say Lucius of Cyrene, so he was a European. Manian, who was brought up with Herod the Tetriarch, so we had this guy who was, came from a, a privileged lifestyle. And then you have Saul, or he later called Paul, he was a Jew. So here's my point, and, I, and, and this is not my message today, but I always like to point this out when I read this passage, is what's most notable about these five uh, prophets and teachers is the, the, is the racial, cultural, uh, and social diversity that was represented in the leadership of this local church. 
I love that, and I think it's a big deal. Um, So their representative diversity emphasizes the cosmopolitan character of the church that God used at the foundation of what we call the Gentile mission. So they were going to go tell everybody that, hey, you don't have to be Jewish to to be saved. And so, because that's what happened next. So as they, and I wish I had time to camp on, on that because it's, it's so interesting to me, but I believe that local churches should look like the community that they're in. And anytime you see a great outpouring of God's spirit in the scripture, there was always an ethnically and socially diverse crowd that he poured his spirit out on. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look at Joel chapter 2, the one that we just read. We're going to read Acts 6 in a minute. So there was always this diversity Unity in the midst of diversity. I mean, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. And that's what we're talking about. It's because I don't look like you and you don't look like me, but we're unified in our diversity. I told you there'd be a poem. And that was it. That was a bit. It was a rap a little bit, but anyway. It goes on to say, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Spirit said. Now, as they turned their attention to God, God spoke to them. You need God to speak to you? Turn your attention to him. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And I like that the next verse basically says, And having been sent, they went. I mean, no, you got to obey and do your part, right? So, here's what I want you to to, to know, is that you can get good at some things, but never be great, but until you devote yourself to those things. And here's the thing that stands out to me in this passage, is their devotion. So, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Devotion is required to reach your maximum potential. Devotion is required to reach your maximum potential. Potential. What did they devote themselves to? First of all, they devoted themselves to spending time together in God's presence. Say, well, I just wish the gifts of the Spirit moved more in our church. The dominant place they're supposed to move is in our small groups, just like it happened in this small group. They worshiped God, and then the Holy Spirit said there was a prophetic utterance. Now, prophecy or prophetic, that just means God's talking to us, Right? Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 6, and let's see some more devotion. This is Acts 6, 1 through 8. It says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, Lord, let it happen again, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So the Hebrew-speaking Jews were being complained about by the Greek-speaking crowd. So there was this cultural, ethnic uh, issue that was going on. But let's see how this was settled in the kingdom, in the church. Their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So that's what they were complaining about. Verse 2, then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not good or desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among yourselves seven men of good reputation full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this what? Business. I mean, there's a business side to the body of Christ. But we all have to do our part, or the mission doesn't get accomplished. 
And it goes on to say, verse 4, but we will devote ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So we need somebody to devote themselves to taking care, taking care of business. And we need somebody else to devote themselves to the word of God and prayer. Both are important. And the saying, you're about, I'm about to read to you the greatest miracle that happened in the New Testament. You ready? And the saying pleased the whole multitude. So they had a church vote and everybody was happy. Greatest miracle in the New Testament right there. Okay. The saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose. Who chose them? The congregation chose them. They were actually, we find out that they were choosing seven deacons. So what does deacon mean? In the, in the Greek language that the New Testament was originally written in, it means a servant or someone who waits tables. So it's not somebody who bosses everybody else around. It's somebody who serves everybody else. So that, that's a total new twist on what churches tell us today that deacons are. This is what the scripture tells us deacons. So this is how deacons deek. And it tells us who they are first. It says it was Philip who, who became an evangelist. They were full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Stephen, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Paramis, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So there's great ethnic diversity here as well, which we don't have time to get into all that. But whom when they had set before the apostles and when they had prayed, laid hands on them. Then, everybody say then. So when everybody got in their place... Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Mobile, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So that's what deacons ought to be doing, serving and, and walking in great signs and wonders. So, when, so who are our deacons here at Harvest Church? Anybody who is leading a serve team, they are our deacons because they are serving uh, Miss Cheryl helps us in worship every Sunday, as, as does the whole team. But then you have uh, Hiram, who's out leading our parking lot team. If you ever just wanted to tell people where to go, join the parking lot team, and you can <laughs> tell people where to go. And then our, our theme out there is smile and wave, right? Smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. You tell them where to go, and then you smile and wave. That's your job. That's it. But that's a very important job. And then people who make lattes in, in Hebrews Cafe and take care of our kids. And they don't let me make lattes around here for health and safety reasons. But anyway, um, but then you got our children's ministers that are back in Jump Kids. And you have our nursery workers and youth. You know, right now there's the, the middle schoolers are having their own service. And so there's people that are helping. It's in scripture, it's called the ministry of helps. That is a ministry. And when all that, because how many know if I was back in there with the JV kids right now, a, we wouldn't all fit in that room, and B, who would be in here? So we all have our part to do, and when we do our part, when you bring your supply, it causes the word of God to spread and more disciples to be added to the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom works. That's how the local church grows. So you have a gift, but when you just use it in the secular world, it doesn't promote the kingdom. But when you take the gift that you have and use it in the secular, but then you bring it over here and you use it in the sacred world, then it causes the kingdom of God to be expanded. All right? How many of you, there's somebody that you know and love, or maybe you just like them, but you don't want them to go to hell, but they are right now. They're headed that way. Well, when you begin to use your gift in a sacred way, it helps people like that come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that's what deacons do, but here's the point, is great increase could not continue until everyone was devoted to using their gifts and doing their part. Turn to your neighbor and say, do your part. 
So the grass is greener where you water it. So tell your other neighbor that you didn't like near as much. Say, water your lawn. Water your lawn. So how do you do that? How do you water your lawn? You, you devote yourself to God in corporate and private worship. In other words, you come to church, but you also worship God at home. You devote yourself to serving in the house, in the local church, and you get devoted and connected to a small group. So our four things that we want to see happen in our church, and that's why we did the series at the beginning of the year, Altars, it's we want to see people experience Jesus. Number two is get connected. So that was the second series we did this year. And now this, this series is Discover Your Destiny. That's one of the foundational pillars of what we want to see happen in the lives of people in our city. Experience Jesus, get connected, and discover your destiny. The fourth thing is together we can change the world, and we're going to talk about that in our next series coming up in a couple of weeks. But gotta, you got to water your lawn or know yourself, know your gifts, and then use your gifts in the kingdom. Here's point number two today. you got to beat the enemy. And what is the enemy? The enemy is average. you got to beat the enemy called average. Again, God didn't make anybody average. He didn't destine anybody to be average. So how do you step into your personal greatness? Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 7 because we're a word church, right? So let's read the word. But one thing is you got to stop being a novice. Stop being a rookie or a newbie because some people are perpetually, they've been a novice for decades. <laughs> but at some point, you got to grow up, right, and step into your divine gifts. Let's see what it says. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, this is a faithful saying. If a man or a woman desires to, the position of a bishop or a leader or an overseer, he desires a good work. Everybody say work. A bishop or overseer or leader then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Say, well, what if I have two wives? Then you don't qualify to be a leader in the local church. Well, what if I'm divorced but I'm remarried? Well, how many are you married to right now? Just one? Okay, then you qualify. Husband of one wife. Again, God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. That's why Jesus came. That doesn't give us a license to sin. It gives us freedom from sin. Okay, the husband of one wife. Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior. How many know if you're going to be a leader in the church, you've got to behave? <laughs> Hospitable. That's, that's, you're hosting the small group or you're a part of it. Able to teach. Not given to much wine or not addicted to wine. Not violent. So if somebody disagrees with you, you can't just punch them in the face. I know sometimes it's tempting. I understand. But the laying, ministry of laying on of hands does not mean you can just punch somebody in the face. That is not what it means, okay? Not greedy for money. That's why we don't sell multi-level marketing stuff in our small groups. If you want to do that, do that somewhere else. You can sell it to people in your small group, but you don't use your small group as an opportunity to sell your makeup or colon cleanse or whatever, okay? <laughs> you need to cleanse your colon, that's a personal problem. You need to go see somebody else about that, all right. It says, you need to be gentle, not quarrelsome. How many know somebody that would argue with a fence post? Uh-uh. Yeah, that's you. Not covetous, not uh, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. You got to have respectful kids, and if they're not respectful, teach them how to be respectful. Um, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? 
Not a novice. And this is the part I wanted to come to. Not a novice. That's someone who's inexperienced. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil, as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So how do you overcome being inexperienced or being a novice? All right, you ready? Volunteer. Serve. Just do something. Uh, I hear Miss Elaine laughing back there. I know that laugh anywhere. Um, she just started volunteering in our offices for I don't know how long. Months, years, I don't know. And so finally, we just said, hey, can we just like give you a job and pay you? I mean, you're here anyway, and we couldn't do it without you. So how are we doing it before she got here? But she started serving and volunteering, and next thing you know, you know, she got promoted, and et cetera, et cetera. Point being is uh, Miss Cheryl, she's led worship up here for years. I was, the, I was our worship pastor for about a, a decade, and uh, I was also the lead pastor. I was just, I was just busy. And, and, but then uh, we had some other people, st- and, but, but now that she does it, it helps me. I mean, y'all don't want to hear me sing. I like singing. I don't, I'm not a singer, but I like to sing. My point being is that we all, but she has a greater grace. And in some area, you have a greater grace. So how do you stop being an inexperienced novice, and how do you step into leadership in the kingdom? You start, the way to the top is down. You serve. You want to be great in the kingdom? Serve, volunteer. The scripture calls it the ministry of help. So just look around and start helping. Do what you're good at. Uh, there's, in, in Hebrews, our coffee shop, there's a girl in there. She can make a mean latte. When you drink it, you know Jesus loves you a latte. It is so good. <laughs> but she's also a barista at Starbucks. And one day, um, we had a vacancy, and she's like, uh, she came around the corner, and she's like teaching somebody how to make, and I'm like, hey, you might just need to stay back there. And she was in our first service, but right now she's making lattes, and she's good at it. Again, you don't want me making your latte. So my point being is that you might think something that you can do is so simple and basic and couldn't be used in the kingdom, but you're wrong. God gave you those skills for a reason, right? All right. There are ordained connections and relationships for your development. That's why Satan works overtime to bring strife and division and bring the wrong people in your life. So when God gives you a divinely appointed connection or opportunity, you got to give yourself to it. you got to work your field. So uh, we gave somebody an opportunity not long ago, and they just quit showing up. We're like, what, what happened? We, we put, made you the leader of this, and you quit coming. Well, and they said, well, uh, this started happening, and I got busy over here, and, uh, and, then, and then this happened in my life. And we're like, well, who do you think made all that happen? Not God. It's the devil trying to keep you from your divine opportunity. And so, but we get so distracted. You got to work the field that God gives you. A faithful man will abound in blessings, right? So be faithful. Let's look at one more verse, and then we'll go to the next, the final point. 2 Corinthians 6.15 2 Corinthians 6.15, it says, What accord has Christ with Belial? Christ is the anointing. So there's an anointing on your life, but there's also Belial. That is, again, the sacred and the secular. I'm not saying, I mean, we all have secular things that we do and secular employment and different things like that. But what part has a believer with an unbeliever? So here's what I'm wanting you to do today. Are you joined or separated with unbelievers? Now, there should all, we should all have 
quote-unquote unbelievers that we're ministering to, that we're witnessing to, but we don't fellowship because uh, we, we love and we can have friendship but not fellowship because you become like those that you hang around with. So we need to be reaching out and make sure that as you're reaching out, you don't get pulled down. So we should have people in our life that don't know Jesus that we are reaching out to, that we're inviting the church. That I mean, that you can you even, you know, maybe have a meal with them or you know play soccer with or or whatever the case may be. But my point being is that be very very aware of the relationships in your life. Who's pulling on you? Who's putting into you? Right? You see what I'm saying? So uh, if you want to change your life, change your friends. All right. Or your friends will change you. Here's number three. And here's point number three. And it's, it's going to sound funny, but we'll get into it. And it's just simply this. You're not the boss of me. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> but, the, but you do have a boss. <laughs> Some of the wives are like, are you sure about that? I'm <laughs> You do have a boss. We're going, to, we're going to find out who he is. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. How many of those are the way that our kids should go? Now, you're somebody's kid. I don't know how old you are, but you're still somebody's kid, and there's a way that you should go. And if your parents aren't still training you, the Holy Spirit will train you. He will lead you and guide you. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, you can't do anything that you want to do as a Christian. Well, I'm American. It's a free country. All right. Before we're Americans, we're Christians. So as Christians, thank God for our freedoms. But as Christians, we don't just do whatever we want to do. We do what we're told because we, have, we do have a boss, and his name is Jesus. It's always a safe answer at church, by the way. Jesus. Just say Jesus. We have a boss. He's our Lord, capital L. That means he tells us what to do. Right? He, and he loves you and he wants the best for you. So he's not going to tell you to do anything that's going to hurt you. But a lot of times we don't listen to him. We think well, we have a better idea. That's what pride is, by the way. Pride is your better idea. Pride always thinks it has a better idea than God. But you and many of us can speak from experience. You can go your way or you can go Yahweh and Yahweh's better. You ever tried to go your own way? Woo, dangerous. Sometimes painful. You can go your own way. I had to throw an 80 song in there. All right. So you can't just do whatever you want to do if you're a true Christian. If you're a true Christ follower, you're going to follow Christ. And you're going to do what you're told, right? Everybody say, I do what I'm told. I'm going to get a t-shirt one day that says, do what you're told. But I don't know if anybody buy it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 7 says this. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. For I wish that all men were even as I am, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So each and every one of us have our own. You have a gift, and you are a gift. And that means that we have gifts differing. That's what it says in, in Romans, or rather in, um, yeah, in Romans 12. It says, Romans 12, 3 says, gifts differing according to the grace given. So you were given a grace, which makes your gift different. The different ones of us have different graces, and therefore we have different gifts. 
Let me read Ephesians 4 to you. Ephesians 4 and verse 7 says, To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So if you don't get anything out of this today, I want you to have an awareness that there's gifts in you. And you are a gift. Finally, I'm going to read one more verse to you. It's in 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10. And it says this, As each one has received a gift. Everybody say, I've received a gift. What are you supposed to do with that gift? All right, here it is. On the, let's read it. As each one has received a gift, what's the next word? Minister it to who? To one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So you have a gift. What are you supposed to do with it? Minister it. Yeah. We're, so we're all, in some way, we're all ministers. That might not be your full-time occupation. I mean, know every jack leg with a Bible is not a preacher, but just like every jack leg with a hammer and saw is not a carpenter. Something else you don't want me working on. <laughs> anyway, but, but you have a grace, and that means that you are a minister in that department and in that area. Oh, I could just brag on people right now uh, that have different, different gifts. And um, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll get distracted and start bragging on people. But, but whenever certain people come to me in the church and say, I'm having an issue with this, I say, well, let me connect you with these people because they have a grace for helping people with what you're challenged with. Does that make sense? And so we all have different gifts and graces. It's not up to us to decide what we want to do, but to find what he has made us to do. And that's why the devil works overtime to keep you confused. Because if he can keep you confused, he can keep you out of your destiny. But he can't. If you don't let him, he can't keep you confused. So let's close with this. You can help identify what your graces are by noticing two things. Here's two symptoms that are clues to what your graces or to what your gifts and talents are. Here they are. Ease and expertise. Ease and expertise, they are symptoms of the grace on your life. How many of those people, they can sell ice cubes to Eskimos? They're just, that's a grace on their life, right? Um, Jen just walked up, and she has the gift of woo. She can woo you to do about anything. It's amazing. Don't look in her eyes. <laughs> right, Clay? <laughs> but, but that's a gift that God has put on her life. Um, you know, different ones of you. And, and those are the things that, you, that are easy to you and you might have a level of expertise. That's because there's a grace on your life for that. So lean into that and begin to practice or study or learn or, or, or get better at what you enjoy learning about is a clue to your destiny. What you don't enjoy learning about is a clue as well. There's hundreds of books in my library right across that hall. Not one of them is about auto mechanics. Okay, so knowing what you enjoy learning about, these are clues. So I encourage you, just take a little inventory of who you are in Christ Jesus because that is the biggest clue you're going to get to the ministry that you are called to fulfill. Say, no, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a nurse. That's great. You are not actually a nurse. You're a Christ. You're God's secret agent who is dressed up undercover as a nurse. That's your secular employment, but your sacred employment is that you don't just bring healing to people physically like a nurse. You bring healing to people spiritually and emotionally because you are God's agent in the earth. Okay? So, and I could go on and on and on with those examples, but I think you get it. 
point being is this. The greatest gift that any of us can ever receive is the life of Christ, the forgiveness of sins and the life of Christ when we call on the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? And when you do that, God says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. That way, if you start going the wrong direction, everybody ever done that? Start going the wrong direction, something on the inside of you starts going, hey, 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 hey. Starts pulling you. You see, you see that map back there? So sometimes we zigzag all over the place, but at least we're still headed in the right direction, right? That's why we have the helper on the inside. If you need that helper, that divine guide on the inside, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. So as we close today, I want to pray the prayer of salvation. Would you bow your heads? You say, Pastor Kevin, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, or I did one time, but I've strayed away from him, and I need to get back into fellowship with God. And you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. We are not going to make you stand up or walk to the front or anything like that, but while you have your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if you would say, Pastor, please include me in that prayer. Slip your hand up real quickly. Let me see who I'm praying for today. Awesome. There's hands over here, over here. There's hands everywhere. One, two, three, four, five, six. Lots of hands. That's awesome. Good, 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 good. If you're online, you can pray this prayer with us as well right now. Harvest Church, everybody that that raised their hand a few minutes ago, let's just pray with them right now. There's about six or eight people. Let's say this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. I know Jesus died in my place, but you raised him from the dead on that third day. And I say, Jesus... From this day forward, you are my Lord. I am yours. Now fill me with your spirit and give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We rejoice with you today. Come on, everybody. Wow, that is awesome. That's what it's all about, baby. So keep bringing people. And we'll keep giving them the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their life. And the disciples will grow and be multiplied as we all do our part, right? Amen. Awesome, awesome.